This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we continue telling the story of the Long Hollow Revival. It's blowing our minds. It's incredible stuff that God is doing uh, you know, we, we've been talking about how we shouldn't be surprised because God can do anything. Mm. And yet in our modern current church, American church mindset, it's just continuing to surprise us in a good way that God is, is just uh, moving so powerfully. And so today we're going to talk about how life change births life change. Mm, yeah. And we left off on our last episode uh, chronicling that faithful Sunday morning. Yeah, where we saw almost a hundred people baptized. Ninety nine to be 99 exact. Ninety nine to be exact. Uh, that's right. I was using the Baptist terminology. Yeah, 90, almost a yeah. hundred ministerially. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be Baptist terminology or Protestant. That would have been one hundred ninety nine ish. Yeah. You know, no. just under two hundred. <laughs> yeah, let me stop here for a moment and give an insight that uh, the Lord's teaching me. Just on that. Yeah, the Lord has shown me, and I just shared this with our staff. We are never going to exaggerate the numbers, never. Yeah. Because what the Lord showed me is that's an easy way that we quench the spirit mm. without even knowing it. Yeah. So if you're, and listen, I'm guilty as charged. I've done it before. Yeah, how many of y'all had? Ah, about 300-ish when it was really 210 in the room, yeah. whatever. Okay, and I'm not saying I would willingly <laughs> lie, but you know, right. it looks like 300 to me. Well, and, 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 and to that point, it's blowing my mind that... I think we would consider ourselves a disciple first church mm-hmm. with a disciple first approach to ministry. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean we're not evangelistic nor that we don't want to be evangelistic. So, you know, got, got to get our minds around that, but we would say we need to have a robust discipleship strategy in our church for yes. sure. Yes. Um, our replicate ministry is based on helping churches get there. So it's just, uh, it's, it's so cool to me to, to see God do something like this at a church that's focused on the discipleship process from starting point of baptism throughout someone's entire life of growing spiritually. Yeah, and the numbers idea, just to kind of put a period on that, the moment you exaggerate numbers, your point gets across to your people and you impress them Mm -hmm. and the anointing leaves. Yeah. The moment you post numbers online, uh, people around the Twitterverse uh, respond and Praise God, go God, great job, and the anointing of God leaves. Mm. So one of the things I'm learning, and we'll do a whole podcast on the anointing, uh, which we're learning about, um, you need to not exaggerate the numbers. So that's why when we say 99 total, I I told the Lord I would chronicle every number. Uh, Even recently, one of our guys told the deacons recently, we've seen 430 people baptized. And I thought, no, it's 424. This was a week ago. (laughs) And I said, no, it was 424. And 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 then I corrected him after, which is surprising because normally the senior pastor never brings the number down. They want to ramp it up. But the Lord has shown me and and he's working on me. Don't impress people. Um, Let me do that. You, you just worry about being faithful. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into what happened. Just to recap, remember, uh, sat with the Lord for a season. Our church was praying. Our people were praying. Heard spontaneous baptism. Team killed it at Long Hollow to make it happen in two days. Gave the invitation and um, didn't know who would come in two services at two campuses. 
99 people mm. came came forward. So we met on Sunday night, some of us on staff, worship pastor, a couple of our lead team guys, and we sat and, and we were talking about what just happened. Mm-hmm. What in the world just happened? And yeah. I think for me, the greatest thing, and, and, and again, you've been in these situations before, Camp Share Day, VBS yeah. response time, big men's event where people right. get saved. I'm thinking in my shallow, naive mind, this is it. You know, this is it. Great run. We'll have a great time. Boy, this was an awesome day. Mm-hmm. Little did we know, God would show us that these would be the heavy drops that would fall before the torrential mm-hmm. downpour was coming. These were like those big drops of rain. You ever go outside and there's those big drops right. hit you and you're like, like what is uh, that? Yeah. And you're like, a storm's coming, yeah. right? In a good way in, in the church, obviously. Well, and, and, the, and the crazy thing about that is, you know, I think every one of us who serve in ministry and have for a long time would be extremely happy and satisfied with that that one day. And, for and, sure, and, 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 for and not sure. Not satisfied, but like, this is amazing. God did this. I mean, I'm I'm pumped for the next six years of ministry. You know what I mean? So, yes. so it was like to anticipate, to even dream or think this could continue from today. Uh, at that point in time, especially as a cynic like myself, yeah. my first thought is, "Thank you, Lord, so much." And you know, let's see what happens. Great job, but it, it's yeah. only going to go down from here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and in your defense, most people listening yeah. would would think the same way because. Mm. You know, it's easy for us in the ministry to be skeptical of other people and other things. Here's a real sad fact of of ministry today. We as pastors and leaders would say, we want to see a move of God. We're praying for a fresh move of God in our country. But the moment God pours out his spirit on another place than ours, Mm. we become skeptical. We judge, we criticize. What are they really doing? Over yeah, that can't be. Really well, they're, they're cutting corners. Those people, they're not. That's what that's. I mean, honestly, yeah. you alluded to it earlier. That's what some of these pastors and friends around the country would call and say, man, I'm blown away that God would pour out a spirit on a discipleship church, like a discipleship guy. He's can't like, believe that growth would happen. Yeah, because he's like, yeah, who knew? And, he, and they would say, because, and here's what they'd follow it up with. We know. You guys are going to do everything you can to walk these people on a path to spiritual maturity. Yeah. So, um, and granted, uh, when 99 comes in and you're responding with 99 in one day, that's a lot of work. Yes. We're at almost, we're almost at 500 right now in yeah. eight weeks. That is an extreme amount of work yes. and correspondence and follow-up. Yes. But again, I, I've said this before, Chris, and I used to say this jokingly, almost tongue in cheek, but now I believe it. Pastors listening, leaders, you're praying for a move of God. You are praying, like I have, for, for a book of Acts revival. Mm-hmm. But think about this. What if God decides to pour out his presence upon your congregation this Sunday and 3,000 people follow through with baptism? Here's mm-hmm. the question. Do you have the infrastructure to disciple that many people? Mm. Because remember, the disciples weren't interested in just signing a card and sending a name to the convention or yeah. putting, a, putting an, a, a name of a family on a wall or all in favor say, I. no, they knew that they had a job given from yeah. Jesus, a directive, 
Go therefore and make disciples. And now they had 3,000 opportunities. So for those in the disciple first tribe, which I would consider most listening, be encouraged that the legwork you're doing behind the scenes, right. the foundation for the structure that you're building is not in vain. Why? Because God's going to see that and say, if I can trust you to build the foundation of discipleship now, then I'll entrust you with more later. I will trust you with people to come into the process later. Yes, and I think one of the things that we've got to keep in mind is when you think whatever the numbers are, whatever size church you are and however God, however big God decides to move, it's not, uh, you know, we're sitting in a room waiting for response. It's do I have a basic step-by-step process mm. that I can say, okay, if this person makes this decision, I, I can trust that they're going to get this call and this hand-holding and this direction points and this prayer you know, whatever it is in your process, because the reality is none of us are ready for a major move in in a sense that it's not typical. Yeah. We're becoming more ready. I think at long hollow because we're seeing each week these things that are happening. So we're realizing we've got to do better, but you've got to at least have that step by step. What happens if one person makes a decision is baptized? What are you doing with that one? And then how do you scale that to however God decides to move? Yeah. And right now we're actually scrambling trying to figure out, because when you have a handful or a dozen people come into the discipleship pipeline pathway, uh, you can handle those. Yeah, You put 99 people on <laughs> Sunday, and then after the break, we're going to get to what happened on Tuesday oh, man. when I just felt through prayer, God was not done. Yeah, And to go to the staff on the Tuesday, one day before Christmas Eve, yeah. <laughs> and basically say to them something we had never done before, which was... Well, let's save that for after the break. We'll save that for after the break. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back. We left on a little cliffhanger. We left on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Mm. What you said to the staff, because you got to remember the timeline is critical here. And, and I, even as you said it, I had totally forgotten about it. This happened three or four days before Christmas. The first Sunday. outpouring, yeah. This first day where we experienced 99 baptisms and God just moved powerfully and we're kind of sitting there with our mouths open going, what in the world happened? 20 were planned, by the way. 20 were planned mm-hmm. and the rest were spontaneous. Yes, we had several who were said, hey, we want to be baptized this year and, and we knew that. But, but as far as the amount of people who responded, it was just mind-blowing. And so from those baptisms to Christmas, we had really three days. Mm. We had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I believe Christmas yes. was Thursday. If I'm no, correct. Christmas Eve was Thursday. Christmas Eve was Thursday. So yeah. kind of a if, if you serve in church, you chalk up a few days. One Christmas Eve service is typically a thing that you do, right? Um, and then obviously, depending on when Christmas is, that can impact Sunday and your Sunday services. So it's it's a little bit of a busy time for those who serve in church. That's just a normal rhythm that we get used to. And and but this was two days before Christmas Eve. This was kind of tapping into that time as a staff member where you think, I've got to have some time for my family around Christmas. Well, but, re- do? but remember, though, we were we ha- we do Christmas Eve services. Yes. 
But this year was COVID. Right. And let me just give you a reminder. Tennessee, at the end of December, uh, particularly in January, we were leading the nation in cases. We were the number one state in the nation for cases. So we had already made the conscious decision, prayerfully, that we were going to go online for Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we were able to shoot the Christmas Eve service beforehand. Mm -hmm. That and what that meant was most of my staff took off. Yeah, they took off that week. Right. So when I came to the staff on Monday morning, I prayed all Sunday night about it and (laughs) just felt like the Lord was not done. Yeah. And I went to the staff and I said, okay, I want to open the church up on Tuesday night. Yeah. And they said, Tuesday night? What's on Tuesday night? We don't do anything on Tuesday night. I said, I know, but I want to do a baptism only service. Right. I just felt like the Lord leading me to do this. I said, we're going to have no preaching. We're going to have no event. We're going to have no structure. If Remember, we had baptized, nothing. We had yeah. nothing. If you but you get baptized, we will be here for you. That yes, was it. that's that was it. it. That was it. And 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 so we sent one email to the church out, right? And we put a couple posts on our on our online channels, yes. and then we we and then we prayed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we prayed together, and then we showed up. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is what is really crazy. We didn't know who would come. Yeah. Would anybody come? Yeah. Would anybody come? And so we had got word that day that a few may come, few people were interested, and we stayed, I think, that Tuesday night for almost two hours. Mm. I and remember. You remember that? I, I remember thinking, that seemed like 10 minutes. Well, <laughs> I, yes. I remember thinking, there was no way this is two hours yes. that we were here. And um, we baptized on that Tuesday, um, I got it written down, I, I documented the whole thing, Eighty. One people, 81 people, Chris, on one Tuesday night over a two hour period. And here's a great point to remember. The Lord showed me this because you may be thinking no preaching, no service, no message. The Lord showed me as I was and I had the privilege of hearing stories and seeing life change and our church saw life change. The Lord taught me a few lessons and I want to share a few of them right now. Tell me a lot of lessons. We'll get to more. But the first lesson the Lord showed me was this life change births life change. Mm. When people see people's lives change. Now we can say all we want that we believe in Jesus, but when a person goes under the water, yeah, changes clothes, becomes steps out of their comfort zone, right? Steps into water, so willingly surrenders themselves to let another person lean them back in yeah. submission and raise them up. I mean, there's just so many pictures here. Yeah, people see that, and it's almost like the water has to be broken. Or as the old revivalists used to say, when the water is stirring, mm. the stirring waters draw people to it. Yes. And that's what we saw. That's right. We saw people in the water. The second thing the Lord showed me was the greatest sermon you can ever preach on the resurrection is baptism. Mm. That's the greatest. Listen, you can't. What about 1 Corinthians 15? Oh, it's good, but it's nothing compared to a baptism. Here's why. Because a baptism is a visual picture mm. of a person who's going under the water, symbolizing the death and burial of Jesus Christ. Mm. And when they come out of the water from death to life, mm. they're raised to new life to show a picture of the resurrection. I don't think you can preach a better sermon. <laughs> That is, that is a pretty profound story. It's 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 that testimony being shared publicly for everyone, 
And one of the really interesting things, and we, we kind of jumped to Tuesday night. We missed Monday. I know. You just read my mind. And, and, and I was thinking as you were saying that, um, and really kind of where we wanted to lean in today, is share these stories of what happened Monday, the day after yeah. that Sunday, prior to the Tuesday night baptism meeting. Because you're probably wondering, like, man, you must be really spiritual to think, wow, Tuesday we need to do it again. Well, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't that spiritual, and I'm still not as spiritual as <laughs> I'd like to be, but it was the Lord just kept prodding, and the Lord kept moving that, that led me to see, wow, we have to do this Tuesday night. Monday morning I wake up, okay, as you would wake up after 99 people are baptized. Yeah. Monday morning, I wake up just blown away, just just now, enamored. Now, now, wait a second. Did you go to sleep? Let's be well, okay, let's be let's honest. Be I did not sleep. Okay, let's be honest. In fact, I hadn't slept. I didn't sleep for about five weeks until the lead team uh, staff uh, of mine came to me right. and said, you have got to stop. Yes. You have got to stop. And my response to them during the first few weeks is, when God awakens people, you can't sleep. You can't sleep when the church is alive. Why would we sleep? That's I've right. waited my whole life for this ministry. We right. prayed for this. Why would I miss this? And they say, great, that's great, Pastor. God has set our church on fire. But one guy said, if you get too close to the fire, Russ Irwin said this, you get burned. Yeah. And I thought, wow, okay, I got it. Okay, so Monday morning, I I, uh, get up from little to no sleep, and a church member named Billy texted me. He said, hey, I wasn't able to be at the service yesterday, but you're never going to believe this. Now, Billy and his wife are faithful Mm. members of our church. Billy and Tina, faithful members of our church, um, really used by God. In Mm. fact, Billy serves on our resource team. And so they're all in, all in. I mean, they're there when the doors open, they support, they uh, participate, they volunteer. Billy texts me and says, I'm in Texas right now. I am catching an early flight home to be at my house at 12 o'clock, I land at 11.30, I'll be at my house at 12. You're never going to believe this, but my wife, my wife wants me to baptize her. Mm. I said, your wife? He said, yes, we were raised in a different denomination, and she got baptized or thought she was saved, but baptized years ago, yeah. strayed from the Lord, or maybe didn't feel like that. She really was surrendered to the Lord or saved and said it was later in life that she came to faith in Christ. But watch this. The time that elapsed, and here's the big common denominator with everybody. The time elapsed from the moment of salvation to the present day. The longer the time, the harder it is to be baptized. Why? Because pride increases. Yeah, It's harder to go under the water and submit yourself. So he, here was a couple a little older than I am. And so it was a hard thing for them to do. He said, can you come to my house to be a part of this baptism? I said, bro, I'll be right there. So run over to noon, you know, run over to his house at noon. And this week we're off. You know, I'd taken off because I I had the week off and we all had the week off. It's Christmas week. It's three days before Christmas. Uh, So, or three days before Christmas Eve. So I go to his house, uh, Andrew Bolton, our digital pastor's there. And as we're praying Getting ready to, the whole family's there. I mean, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. We're going to baptize her in their hot tub. He's going to baptize her in the hot tub. Right when she's about to go out, the door opens, and it's the wife of the guy who runs security for me at Long Hollow shows up in shorts and a T-shirt with a towel in hand. I said, Cindy, what are you doing here? She said, I heard about Tina's baptism, and... The Lord spoke to me and said, you haven't followed through in obedience with baptism. You need to go be baptized. So there I was thinking I'm coming for one baptism of a faithful church member, 
longtime church member. Now I'm going to see two baptisms of a faithful church member. So we baptize, we saw both of those baptized. We praise the Lord. Okay. So that was December 21st. Mm. On December 22nd, Billy texted me again. Mm. He said, you're never going to believe this. Remember, (laughs) this is the line you have to remember. The flame of revival spreads the fame of revival. The flame of revival spreads the fame of revival. What do I mean? What I mean is when people start hearing about life change, they start questioning their own life and say, have I followed through with obedience? Have I followed through in salvation? And so Billy texted me on the Tuesday. You're never going to believe this. Two more are coming to be baptized today. Can you come over and be a part of this? I said, brother, I'll make every effort to get there. Billy baptized two more in the hot tub. So now we went from 99, now we're at 103 that we know about going into Tuesday night. Okay. So I'm at the Tuesday night gathering and man, God is working. Yeah. I mean, God is working. And remember, nobody's there uh, watching. Yeah, it's not a service. The only people who are there are either those being baptized, the deacons and their wives who have helped us counsel every person before they went into the water, Mm -hmm. and the family of the people, okay? So one of the, again, another faithful, long-time, committed, serving uh, member of our church named Brian Mm -hmm. was there in the back. And so Brian is standing next to the sound booth. You know, he's there to witness the baptisms. But what God started to do is when people would see other people baptized, it was like the spirit of God Mm. would speak to their heart and ask them some tough questions. So thank God, one of our policemen who's on, uh, who's uh, helps us at church. He's uh, leading a life group, leading a D group. He was in my D group last year. Thank God for his obedience. He sees Brian over by the sound booth in tears. And he walks over to Brian and he says, hey, Brian, um, why are you upset? Why, why are you crying? He said, because I need to be baptized. He's like, you? Bro, bro, you serve. You're a volunteer. You're all in. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it was all, it was all routine. It was all legalism. It was all Pharisaic, wow. Pharisaism. He said, um, I've never followed through with baptism. He said, I know the Lord but I've never followed through with baptism. And God really convicted his heart. And he said, why don't you go be baptized by Pastor Rami? And he said, man, I can't do that. My wife's not here. There's no way. He said, she would kill me if I wouldn't be baptized without her. He said, think about that. Do you think your wife's going to be mad for you being obedient? He said, bro, we're filming every one of them. I guarantee she'll tune in and watch it. We'll give you a video of it. Well, you got to remember, when I'm baptizing people, if you've ever baptized 10 or 15 people, it kind of becomes a blur after a point because yeah. you're saying the same thing. And, and obviously, honestly, I didn't want it to be a blur, but you kind of kind of get in this routine where you're just in the presence of God and you're yeah. seeing God move and people are crying and you're emotional. And I don't know who's coming next. Yeah. And next thing you know, I see Brian chains and shorts and a t-shirt with a towel. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he said, I've never followed through with baptism. So Brian gets in the water, stands up before he sits. If you remember this, I do remember him. Well, you go back and watch it that Tuesday night service and weeps like a baby. Yeah. He doesn't even sit down. Yeah. He stood there and wept. Well, as sensitive as my heart has been to the Lord. Remember, prior to December 20th, and Robert and Chris can attest to this for those who don't know me well, I don't cry. I never cry. I mean, you've seen me cry 
get tear at maybe a, one, two or three times in five and a half years. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I didn't cry at my grandfather's funeral. I'm not proud of it, but I mean, I don't cry. And I think one of the reasons is I was so hardened from losing 15 friends over the course of, you know, a few years in the drug and alcohol world I lived in. It, when December 20th hit and the Holy Spirit began to pour out his presence, I have cried more in the last eight weeks than I've cried in the last 18 years, 17, 18 years as a Christian. Well, we were just talking about it yesterday. It seems like every time these baptisms happen, whether it's first service, second service, Tuesday nights, uh, random moments, everybody's crying. Well, it gets <laughs> better, though. There's not one, one single one that happens. Well, it gets crying. better. We'll close with this because yeah. I want you to hear this before we go. I baptized Brian. I hugged him in the tank. I'm crying. He's crying. Everybody's crying. He gets out of the tank, and all of a sudden I look over, and the next person, which is the last, second to last, because one guy came at the end, the second to last person to start walking to the baptistry is Billy. And I said, Billy, <laughs> wait a minute. This is what this one really He's got the one me. one from Monday who had baptized He is the his one who, yeah, yes, right, he right. flew in on Monday yeah. to baptize his wife. <laughs> And her friend. And then he texted me on Tuesday to baptize the two the two others. Right. And now Billy is coming forward. And, and I look at him and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, Robbie, I tried to put it off long enough. And he said, I'm not disobeying the Lord any longer. I don't want to miss what God's doing in my wife's life and my wife. And so I want to be obedient to be baptized. And I got to baptize <laughs> Billy. When I pulled him out of the water and I walked away, I thought, what is God doing? And that is just part of the beginning. This is bigger than just a yes. baptism service. Yes. God is starting to pour out his spirit in ways we have never seen before. Well, we're going to continue to chronicle this long haul revival. It's been amazing. And the moment you think we start to know what we're talking about is the moment we believe God will take it away because we don't know. We're here experiencing it. Yep. And we just want to help you uh, be along for the the journey that God is taking us through. We There are no steps for revival. There's no process for revival. We're just watching what God is doing chronicling what God is doing and sharing that amazing story with you. And, and prayerfully, God will continue to do it here and spread it to wherever you're at. Uh, that's been our prayer, that God would take this revival across the nation and world. And thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it with someone. Obviously, rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.